Hey, Senders, welcome back to another episode of the Segment Podcast. This episode's special guest is Jason Carroll. He is a two-time CrossFit athlete, international athlete, 2017 games and 2019 games. He's also a downhill mountain biker, an all-around mountain biker, and he does the dirt jumps. All-around great guy, a kinesiology major and graduate and he puts his passion into the sport of mountain biking, and he marries it with CrossFit. So I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode, and there's a wealth of information here from Jason Carroll. Before we get started, I want to say thank you to the supporters of the show. Huge, huge thank you to YT Industries, YT Industries, Live Uncaged. If you see me out on the trails, you'll see me out on the YT Core 4 Jeffsy. That is an amazing bike. And I'm going to be filming a new episode here, taking out the decoy and kind of comparing the decoy against the Jeffsy in the same amount of time to look at which calories were burned more, which stoke was a little bit higher, and how many more miles I got in the same period of time. So look for that episode on the YouTube channel. Also want to say thank you to Tasco. Tasco with your awesome gloves, awesome shirts, and my favorite mountain bike shorts, the Scout shorts. I've been rocking the Phantom Scout shorts this summer. And they are amazing for breathability and comfort. So if you get a chance, check them out. Click the link in the description box. It'll take you to the website and automatically give you 15% off if you decide to purchase something from Tasco. Also, thank you so much to Spy Optic. Thank you so much to Spy Optic for your support and lifestyle wear for the sunglasses as well as the goggle support on the mountain bike. If you find something that you like, at spyoptic.com use promo code sender10 and get get 10% off your purchase again that's sender10 for 10% off your purchase at spyoptic.com also want to say special thank you to one of the newer supporters of the show thank you so much to kapu coffee kapu coffee making some of the amazing cold brew coffee in fact kapu coffee offers these make your own ice coffees. There are these bags that already have Kapu coffee in them. You simply just add water to it, put it in the fridge for 18 hours, go on your ride and come back later. Have an amazing beverage refreshment with that Kapu iced coffee. It's amazing stuff. If you haven't got a chance to check out Kapu coffee on the Instagram and if you want to purchase something, give them a DM and let them know that you heard it from this podcast from the segment and get a discount on your purchase of ice cold kapu coffee all right guys without further ado here is your special guest jason carroll all right what's happening senders welcome back to another episode of the segment podcast i'm your host and your co-host here mr uncaged mtb what's up joey hey how you doing mark Good, man. Thanks again for jumping back on. Always good to have you here. We see uh, Timothy Haley's on board already. What's up, Tim? Good to see you. Congratulations on your surgery scheduled for the end of the month, man. You're going to get that shoulder fixed. We also got uh, MTB Rad Dad is on here. I know, I know, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) We're starting starting late. Uh, Joey, how's the week going so far? Good? Uh, It's been a great week. It's gone pretty quick. Uh, Busy, busy week. Nice. Looking forward to riding this weekend. Yeah, where whereabouts are you thinking? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Vale, maybe San Clemente. I don't know yet. All of that sounds good. Yeah. There's a, a rumor in the mill that YT gave us some e-bikes for the weekend to uh, do a little episode. 
So I'm excited for that. Sounds good. <laughs> What's happened in the bike rider is out here today. What's up, bike family? Good to see you guys. Um, folks, we got a special guest on the show tonight. Um, it, it, he is a two-time international CrossFit athlete. Jason Carroll is going to be on the show tonight. Also, if you have seen his posts on Instagram, you, you got to get there because he is throwing out some insane stuff from dirt jumping to downhill to all around mountain biking. The guy is a tremendous athlete on and off the bike. And recently I got him on the show because recently he just published a book to help us all out really to just kind of marry the, the fitness world with the mountain biking world to give us the best experience in mountain biking. And uh, without further ado, Joey, shall we bring Mr. Jason Carroll up yeah, on the show? Should. Definitely. Bring Let's him on. Him. Let's get him on. Yeah. What's up, Jason? Oh. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> good to Come see on. you, man. Yeah, good to see you guys. <laughs> Jason, welcome to the segment podcast. Uh, we're excited to talk to you about everything mountain biking and the whole fitness world. Excited about your ebook that just launched. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Really excited for it. <laughs> So, Jace, with uh, for the folks out there who may not have heard, heard of you, which is is hard to believe because you have so many followers, it's crazy. But uh, give us a bit of a background on who is Jason Carroll on the mountain bike, and then let us know a little bit about the Jason Carroll that's not on the bike but in the CrossFit world, and then we'll get more into those as we go along there. All right, I'm gonna go backstage real quick, guys. Bye. All right, Joey. Well. As far as the uh, Jason Carroll on the bike, just a, a local SoCal rider that loves uh, loves sending it, whether it's uh, enduro style downhill, and then uh, more recently, obviously been getting big into the dirt jumping. Um, but the uh, Jason Carroll on the other side, as far as the the fitness, um, again, that's been more of my uh, majority of my life. Um, as far as the CrossFit competing, I'm a two time CrossFit Games athlete. Uh, both competed individually in 2017 and 2019. Um, so it's been great experiences, uh, doing that. Um, but as far as like overall, as far as fitness, um, CrossFit hasn't always been just the only thing, um, got my degree in kinesiology from Cal state Fullerton. So as far as a job and, um, teaching, teaching and coaching fitness, um, yeah, I've always been a, been a part of the fitness community, whether it's been through strength conditioning and, and CrossFit functional fitness. So. Nice, man. And a little bit about the, the CrossFit, because I know that I have some friends that, that train in CrossFit. I know my buddy MTB Allen, he, he trains in CrossFit. Yeah. What, for those of us who are unaware of what CrossFit is or have seen it, but not, don't really know a ton about it, uh -huh. what is CrossFit? What is that? Uh, so CrossFit it does have a definition of um, it's basically training across broad times and mobile domains. So Broad times can definitely obviously include different time domains as far as how long a certain workout takes. And mo a modal domain is uh, defined as, you know, different different categories like gymnastics and aerobic and anaerobic conditioning, um, barbell weightlifting, dumbbell lifting. Um, basically, ev everything and anything in the fitness world that you can think of is kind of encompassed in CrossFit, like even powerlifting and bodybuilding and all that kind of stuff like it. it kind of encompasses everything in more of like a functionality um, rather than just keeping to one one adaptation or one um, one capacity uh, uh, adaptation if you will so 
it's yeah, it's it's sometimes hard to explain, but also easy to explain because it's so broad. But yeah, that's basically what CrossFit is in a nutshell. Everything and anything in like a slight periodization of programming and and fun. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And, and I always see a lot of folks in the CrossFit. They're they're like moving stones, like as, as yeah. to count their sets and things like that. What 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 is that? What's with the stones thing? I think that's really cool. I just never <laughs> yeah, understood that. So the stones is actually taken from strongman. If you ever seen um, strongman competition, it's moving very odd objects in a very functional way. So that's exactly uh, what it is. And kind of branching off to explain something like a stone over shoulder or a sandbag over shoulder, it's very very relative to everyday life of picking something up properly with your low back and um, having your hips engaged to make sure your low back stays intact. Um, but yeah, so, God. you know, I know, I understand maybe not everyone's going to be hurling 150 to 200 pound stones over their shoulders every day, but you know, properly picking up groceries, it definitely does, does help translate. So, yeah, yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for explaining that. That makes, that makes sense too. Cause it's functional is what, is what it seems like what you're explaining to me. It's, it's the functional type of fitness to get us strong and how we move our bodies, how we're supposed to move our bodies, yeah. um, which is, which is an amazing thing. And uh, you have made it to the top of, of uh, CrossFit and explain to the folks out there, what does it mean to be an international CrossFit athlete in the championships in the 2017 and 2019? What does that mean? How do you get there? So the path to get there is through a qualification process. Um, the, one, the one qualification process that most people know in the CrossFit world is going from the open uh, to another stage called the regionals and then the regionals uh, to the CrossFit games. Um, and then what it actually means in uh, CrossFit regulations that um, you do earn the title of whatever place you place in the CrossFit games as that uh, fittest person or man or woman on earth. So in 2017, I could call myself the 28th fittest man on the planet earth. And then Holy yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a cool like title to have because a lot of work obviously going into into getting there. But, um, as far as like the CrossFit tests from our good old director, Dave Castro, um, puts out, uh, that's the, uh, that's the title you earn in whatever place you get, um, at the games. Jeez Louise. So 28th fittest person, fittest athlete in the world. And how many people compete at these things? Uh, it, it technically dwindles down from the whole world and then segmented into the into the game. So good grief! <laughs> I think in 2017, roughly 400 to 500 thousand competitors sign up for the open and do the open. Oh my and god! Then, yeah, and then it broke off to regions to where you had, I believe it was 40 athletes per region, and I think we had eight regions that year. And then from each region, depending on the popularity, the population of the region, you either had to go top five or top three. And then um, when it was all said and done, it was 40 men from the world and 40 women from the world that compete at the CrossFit Games. And so Jeez. out of 40 is when you earn your spot as far as like your title of, of the fittest on earth. Oh, holy <laughs> cow. You guys are hearing this. Debbie, Debbie, producer Debbie's on the line. She's like, hi, all MTV Rad Dad is on the line. Uh, we got Rich in two, Rich on two wheels. What's up, buddy? Good to see you. And check this out, Jason. You got uh, Octodad, Mr. Marty Joey Richards out of New Zealand, who is in lockdown. Uh, New oh. Zealand is in lockdown right now, uh, but he is here on the on the podcast with us on New Zealand hey, time. Real quick, I had no idea that 
because I'm at work right now. I had no idea the cleaners would be here. I'm going to go step into the office right now. It's going to be a little bit quieter because I know the vacuums are rolling. Just give me go, one. Go. Yeah, go for it. So, so guys. Uh, keep on talking while I'm moving. <laughs> you could hut it. So what a cool treat. I mean, to go from half a million athletes in the CrossFit world and then breaking it on down into you know regions and then into – smaller and smaller groups to become number 28th in the world is is amazing and to not only do that on 2017 but then to go and repeat again in 2019 um, the reason why we bring this up is because he has thought of an ebook to marry mountain biking biking with crossfit to give us the best experience possible on the bike and just released a book about it so definitely wanted to get jason on the show to talk more about it but i really wanted to highlight that uh, CrossFit, because it's it's a big it's a big part of how we're going to transition into the mountain biking here with Jason. So, um, dude, that is crazy. Be twenty eighth, and then just to talk about the actual event itself, how do you compete against these other forty men in order to get the place that you're in? What, what is it that you guys have to do? Um, I mean, God, man, like I said, the tests that he they put out, especially when you get to the games, are very very like. I want to say broad and specific all at the same time. So it, to kind of give put in perspective, when you do the open, which is the first part of the call, qualification process, it's five workouts over five weeks. Hmm. And when you get to regionals or the like the sanctional um, uh, level, um, it's actually it turns out to be six to eight workouts for a weekend. So you're trying to get six to eight um, events or six to eight workouts done within Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Holy cow! And, yeah. And then when you get to the games, it actually ranges from like 12 to 15 events. So you can imagine just covering literally everything from those 12 to 15 events and then just having to battle uh, recovery in between events, recovery day by day. Um, and then within the events, you're just like using examples like uh, the most probably recognizable one would be like a one rep max of a certain lift. And most of the time, the complicated uh, clean and jerk or the snap, the complex clean and jerk or snatch will show up um, as far as a one RM. And then they can actually take the movement and put it in a different workout or event, lighten the weight up. And now, now they're trying to test you like, Hey, at this moderate to heavy or moderate to light weight, how fast can you cycle it? How long can you hold on to it? while combining with like a, um, a machine, like a rower or a skier with um, complex gymnastics, like ring muscle ups or rope climbs and that kind of thing. Good. Then you can also get like crazy workouts to where it's just like straight burpees, box jumps, wall balls, which we as a CrossFit athlete consider like more of a grunt work. Like it's low consequence, low skill, but very high capacity stuff. Wow. Yeah. And then they compare you to see like, how many of these reps you're able to do, how quick you're able to recover. Maybe the, the, reps, the, the, it could be rounds for time. It could be one, one big round technically. And whoever gets through it the fastest and the most efficient is going to be the winner. That kind of thing. Dang, dang, <laughs> dude, that's crazy. So, Hey, I see John W just jumped on. What's up, John W. Good to see you, buddy. Thanks for jumping on. We got Jason Carroll on the line of 2017, 2019 international CrossFit in the, in the champion athletes, uh, division, incredible, incredible stuff. He's just talking a little bit about what got him there and how they measured it. So were you already a mountain biker before the CrossFit or did the CrossFit turn into mountain biking? So long story short, um, my sport before CrossFit, like a high school slash like kid sport that I played. And I laugh about it because all five, nine of me, 
um, played basketball. <laughs> so I, um, I point, point guard. Yeah, I was a point. No, clearly the center at five, nine, like, I, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, I was playing basketball as my childhood sport and up through high school. And if anybody knows, like going through a high school sport, it, they, uh, it takes up uh, your life. But in middle school, one of my best friend's dad lent me a trail bike. It was like a very old GT. I remember the model. It was a GT LTS carbon frame. And it had one of those little small little coil shocks in the back oh, with a like hundred millimeter rock shock uh, fork in the front. And I used to ride around uh, Chino Hills a lot. So that to me, I thought that was mountain biking because, you know, those wide family trails and, and single tracks that would be more uphill, right? Right. And then, so when basketball kind of took over my life, I put the bike down because, you know, just going to high school and then playing basketball two to three hours a day, six days a week, you didn't really have time or you're just a little too tired to actually go out on the bike. Um, so you graduate high school, kind of forgot about biking and then fast forward all the way to the 2017 CrossFit Games. Um, Dave Castro released a cyclocross event. So people know what cyclocross is and, and as far as what bikes are actually used. Um, so ours was a little bit modified, but when he released one of the events being a cyclocross event, it made me go down to my local bike shop, purchase a, a cheap hardtail, just to have something to train on. And just getting back out there on the trails, training for it, and then actually doing the event just reawakened my like path. I'm like, man, I forgot how much I enjoyed riding a bike. And then, then that's when it was like, all right, got me, got me a 120 millimeter full suspension trail bike, and then went on to a stump jumper, and then went on now sitting on a, a, a 2020 Enduro. So you can imagine, like any mountain biker, big old dent in my wallet, but. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's uh, guys, I'm going to pull this up for everybody. If you could take a look, this is, um, this is Jason Carroll's Instagram and he did talk about his, you know, going through the enduro and everything like that. But did you guys see his dirt jumping abilities? Jesus, Louisa's <laughs> check it out. Here's a couple images of Jason Carroll on a dirt jumper and You've been doing a lot more of this type of stuff lately. At least that's what I've been seeing coming through the IG. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people were like, hey, did you like completely stop mountain biking? And I go, no, I actually do it pretty like even keel. Like I'm probably one to two days on the dirt jumper and one to two days on my big bike. Um, but the thing is, as you can see, as far as the filming, it's a lot easier to film someone film you on a dirt jumper than, you know, I'm not one to like sit there and stop on a trail the whole time to try to film a spot. You know what I mean? So most of my mountain biking filming is like the POV for the, uh, the chin cam. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's what, but as far as like filming you, we can obviously see that dirt jumping is a little easier to film because it's in one spot and it's a pack of jumps. But as far as like equal love and, uh, equal riding, I'm still on the big bike. I got a couple friends that always are still showing me all these crazy trails in the, you know, the Laguna area. we got to keep that on a down low, right? <laughs> right, right. We don't want them to be damaged right. or destroyed. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, so, that, but I know it's right. like all the stuff popping up a dirt jump, but there's one right in the middle where we were uh, hitting some fun little, little trails and drops and all that kind of fun stuff out in the, uh, out in the beach areas. That. Um, that is fantastic. Yeah, this one's loading up right now. But if you guys can check out Jason Carroll's Instagram because it is everything here. Oh, look at this one. Yep, there you are back on the big bike. Holy smoly. Jeez, yeah, definitely. So, so okay, so you're 
you're falling back in love with the mountain biking mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. um, you're playing basketball, but then you've get, you get this rekindled love with uh, the mountain bike, the big bike. And so um, you decide to write a book and kind of marry the two worlds. Yeah. T- tell us a little bit about what went through your mind to do that. Cause I know that's a, that's a huge undertaking to get a book out there. And congratulations, by the way, cause not all of us are able to get to that, that level where we got books out there, but dude, this is, this is great. No, by the way, MTBDH, what's up, Drew? He says, Hey, Chino Hills, that's my hood. <laughs> <laughs> let's ride. Like <laughs> a little Virginian delight and let's uh, rock down Southridge. I'm in. <laughs> nice. Nice. So yeah. So tell us a little bit about, the idea to marry the two worlds together because you also have a degree in kinesiology, the study of the body and the body's movement. You're obviously an elite athlete there with the CrossFit looking at the Instagram, knowing that you ride like that. It's just like, okay, I'm paying attention (laughs) when these two worlds marry. It seems like you've got the best chance to have the best experience with your mountain bike. You have potentially I'm guessing now, but uh, I'm thinking that, injuries are probably less prevalent. Obviously crashes are going to happen, but if you're in great physical shape, uh-huh. you do have that under armor of that muscle that helps keep you together. Uh, your tendons and everything should be strong as well. Um, yeah. But were these all things that were kind of swirling around in your mind or did you kind of notice because you married the two worlds that you had that type of skill or that type of, I don't know. I, not mean, it's, I guess it's a little bit of both. Like, Try marrying the two because obviously, you know, you you ride with people that share the same love and just seeing them stoked on like riding their bike is is makes me happy, right? Um, but as far as like coming from the standpoint of my education in kinesiology, is just we know what periodization is. So everything requires a process. So it really influenced me to want to marry the two because when people do find out what I do for a living, as far as CrossFit and strength conditioning, um, they, they always want to ask on the trail, right? We're in the middle of the ride and they're like, Hey, you know what? Like, what should I be doing in the gym? Or like, I see, I see what you're doing as far as uh, your workouts and all that kind of stuff. There's anything that I could be doing uh, too in the gym to help and supplement my riding. And of course me, I want to stop the whole ride and have a 20, 30 minute conversation about, strength conditioning and how it can apply uh, to your mountain bike riding. So having that just in my mind and getting that question constantly when I'm on the trail or dirt jumping um, influenced me to get this uh, out in the world and kind of put in perspective a few things of uh, what you should uh, be doing in the gym if you're not on your bike. So that's great. And and I was actually, I actually, I purchased the book and I downloaded it and you guys, the book is out there right now. If you go to amigostraining.com, you, you can actually download the book right now. And the, and the cool thing about the book, well, Jason, I'll let you, I'll let you talk about it too, but I was kind of perusing through. It's a, it's a six week program mm-hmm. that's, that's not just built to get you in shape, but it's built for the mountain biker, right? It's built yeah. for the mountain biker. Actually, Jay, I'll let you take it from here because, um, how you design the book is, is the key part for all of us out there that are, you know, going through physical fitness on the bike, but, um, we should actually be doing something additive to it because we can't be on the bike every single day or we could, but it's hard to, yeah, very hard to, especially with seasons and everything like that. So, um, trying to just go down the line of many reasons why, uh, getting this book out. Uh, one first reason is, um, 
tapping into the mindset of a mountain bike rider. And I know I was talking about that. It's actually a lot of people will come up to me and say, Hey, it's like, you probably can knock out those 30, 50, 40, 50 mile rides. And I'm actually like, no, <laughs> I, I don't think I could, or at least have the mental capacity. Cause in CrossFit, there's a lot of modal domain. So for me, it's very, very fun to be able to focus on a different, different modal domain or different um, movement pattern or, or um, capacity, so to speak. So that's why I've always respected the mountain bike rider, especially the enduro style rider that you can focus on one thing and actually just have the mentality of grinding up these uphills and having these long, long treacherous rides and then still being okay on the downhill. So um, just wanting to um, kind of match that time frame or the, uh, the actual uh, mindset with, with training was a huge influence to me on top of that, that kind of led into frequency of the, uh, of the training program. Um, so what that means is, you know, again, using the mentality of a mountain bike rider that would probably think like, Hey, if I ride my bike every day, that probably means I needed to be in the gym every single day. And I wanted to make sure I squashed that right away because if you're riding your bike every day or three to four times a week, I wanted to send the message that you do not have to be in the gym every day to see performance gains on your bike. So in the ebook, you will see that it's mostly a frequency of three times a week in the gym. If you are again, riding your bike about two to three, maybe four times a, uh, a week. Um, so saying that that'll help not one burn the rider out, from being in the gym too long, but also giving some guidance and volume of how, um, how long and how much you should be in the gym each week. And then on top of that, you can see within the program that a lot of this stuff is geared toward positioning on the bike. Like a few of the exercises that I can bring up, there's a split stance, strict press. Uh, there's a split stance, uh, barbell, good morning. Um, there's a couple other split stance exercises or single leg exercises because it's very, very common that we ride bikes, obviously in a split stance, because that's how the pedals are set up. So it's one of those things that might sound complicated, but it's actually a little bit more common than it really is. Because the one thing that we learn in strength conditioning is the fact that um, things need to be very specific to how you want to train. It's called the said principle, which is specific adaptations on imposed demands, which makes things a lot more easy or a lot easier to program. So if your split stance is your left foot in front, right foot in the back, it's going to be very, very easy to uh, program something like that. And then also making sure you're stimulating those muscles in that certain stance. So you're able to perform well on the bike. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's, uh, that's basically, again, those three messages to kind of send to the rider. Like, hey, don't have to be in the gym five to seven days a week. Um, things are more specific for positioning on the bike, especially on the downhill, because again, that's what we're more worried about in that fixed position or that static position, we'd like to call it. Um, and then on top of that, above all else, we know um, we know that uh, a lot of people are, you know, you're going to fall on your bike no matter what. Doesn't matter how good or, or um, beginner you are, it's going to happen. So through some of these exercises, enhances your or enhances your mobility. So the way your your joints can move in a full range of motion. So when you crash, you obviously are going to end up on the floor, or end up in the dirt uh, in a very, very awkward way to where your body's not necessarily ready for it. But if you have that natural mobility because you are pushing your joints through a certain range of motion in a certain way, you're possibly going to be, you know, a little less mangled coming off that fall or the fall might be bad enough to where, yeah, you're a little bit injured, but the recovery is going to be that much more faster and you're going to be back on the bike faster. So there's a couple of ways to look at it as far as like 
in, either injury prevention or when it does happen, the elasticity of your muscle is going to go back to that, um, that starting point and heal up a lot faster. So, <laughs> oh, can't hear you. <laughs> I'm losing volume. Anybody? I can hear me. Mark, oh, Mark yeah. still, Mark froze. Looks like he's back. But yeah, oh. the, as far as the um, recovery, that's something I've never looked at or even thought about. Yeah, a lot. Like I've uh, um, talked to many friends. I'm like, yeah, they just know they're going to push it hard enough to where they're going to be falling. I mean, and some of the stuff around the SoCal area, like mountain bikers want to push it. They want to see what they can do on the bike. So if they're well prepared for something that they're going to um, push their limits on, then by all means, I'm trying to put tools out there so we can all have fun. I mean, also, it just comes down to it to your riding buddies. Like who wants who wants your buddy that you're, you know, your two or three buddies that you have your group rides on on your uh, weekends and maybe that one ride during the week. And uh, and they can't ride because they're out for some kind of injury in their in their shoulder or their knee or something like that, that possibly they can bounce back faster or could have been prevented because their mobility was in the right place for for the fall. No, that's fantastic. Sorry, guys, the computer froze there on my end. But uh, that's, that's, that's amazing stuff. And um, it, it's huge to be able to stay on the bike as much as possible. Yeah, um, had a couple questions here for you, Jason. Yeah. Uh, MTB Octodad out of New Zealand is asking, is CrossFit okay for kids? Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, it's functional training. Um, I want to squash the myth of any kind of weight load does not actually stunt growth. Um, I know the science behind that because they actually teach you that we've had a whole week with my uh, principles of strength conditioning uh, professor telling you busting myths about, you know, breaking growth plates and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that myth is busted. You won't stun growth. Um, and on top of that, if you find a good coach um, and they know exactly what they're doing and what exercises are proper for kids, then by all means, um, the human body was meant to squat. It, you come out of the womb ready to squat. Um but other than that, yeah, it's it's definitely safe for kids as long as the uh, the coach is keeping a good eye and really, really drilling movement with lighter weights like PVC pipes and all that kind of stuff. Because, again, it's more of the movement pattern getting instilled in their neuromuscular system rather than putting a lot of weight on their system. Because we actually sense. Yeah. So the gym that I'm uh, uh, currently at, we we do have a CrossFit kids class two days a week. And it's it's been really, really fun and really, really good. And I've seen, I've seen pictures of Marty's kids um, and Marty, I don't know, forgive me. I'm not exactly sure how old your kiddos are, but how young are some of your CrossFit athletes? Um, some of the kids are around like eight, nine years old. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that's great. Yeah. Like one of the screening processes is just when we talk to the parents is making sure um, their ability just to keep attention because, you know, kids want to be kids and play around and have fun. So it's more so as long as they're paying attention and staying attentive that there is, we can teach them movement, then they're, they're good to go. Cause we're obviously getting like kids in all different shapes and sizes, whether they're here for athletics or they're here for uh, just overall, overall movement and overall fitness. It's uh, it's, nice. it's a little broad range. So <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that's great for the kiddos. And yeah. and so and then now let's talk about the the mountain biker, the dad or the mom, or if you're not a dad or a mom and you're just like you ride the bike, you come home and you just have a thousand and one things to do in your yeah. life, but you you 
are always looking to 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 that next level like god if i just had more time i can get into the gym or i just i don't like to go to the gym right now you know but all of us have usually all of us have garages if we have mountain bikes we all have yeah. some kind of a garage some that we work garage. on the bike <laughs> and be in so so in fact you know um here we go. MTBDH says, man, I need to do something. I, I've hit a wall lately. So there's there's the wall. There's the, the, the mental wall. Yep. But you wrote the book kind of in a, in a way to be as convenient as possible. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit about the book because I thought it was fantastic. You've got links in there to YouTube channels yeah. of you explaining the actual exercise and how it relates to the bike. I think mm -hmm. it's fantastic. Um, but share with us maybe some of the top three or four exercises that you put in that directly relate to us on bikes, like the muscle parts and everything. Well, yeah. So, um, one of them, one of them that I think is really good is we have a split stance strict press. So, and that's done with the barbell and, um, also is going to be done with dumbbells because I do have an upcoming limited equipment version coming out. So I'm really excited about that, but going back to the exercise, um, that's done with the, the barbell actually in the front rack position. So on your shoulders, and then in the book, it does say like you want to get into your split stance as if you were sitting on your bike on the on your attack stance pedaling. Right. So from that split stance, you're actually going to be pressing a barbell overhead and then coming right back down. So it's very, very applicable to feeling what your arms are doing, whether it's uh, pushing or pulling through the handlebars of the bike while sitting in that static position while you're going downhill. So it's, again, it's gaining mobility of having that barbell all the way down into the front rack position and then fully locking out all the way up. So you can see like just the range of motion of the joints, how it could be uh, applicable to uh, pumping up and down with, with the handlebars. So it's just small little things like that that seem so simple, but will speak volumes when you're getting back on your bike and you're feeling, um, feeling possibly like balance deficiencies all go away because now you're going to be feeling a little bit more level doing exercises like that. Interesting. Yeah. And, and you, and the athlete is going to, or the mountain biker is in their split stance position, right? So if you're regular footed with your left foot forward, that's the split stance position you take. If you're, if you're goofy, your right foot would be forward yeah. and it would work on the strength for that. Yeah. And then on another exercise, because obviously that one's going to trigger more concentric eccentric phase for the upper body. Now we also do have a split stance uh, dumbbell deadlift to where you're in that split stance, but now you're triggering the muscles of the hamstrings, the glute medius, the glute maximus, that kind of thing. And so the reason why I wanted to put it in there as well is because everyone is either right-handed or left-handed. So when you put it on a bike and in your, you're in your split stance, you're going to favor one side. So it kind of touches it like that's more of the jumping standpoint. Cause I remember it's like, okay, I'm right-handed and I'm more, I'm more prevalent to go shift over to my left leg. And I can feel mm -hmm. that when I was first dirt jumping because the bike is smaller and so supple. So when you go in the air, you can feel yourself shift to a certain side. Same thing will happen on a mountain bike, obviously, but you feel it a little bit more on a dirt jumper because the bike is smaller and no suspension. So it's going to be a little bit more subtle and um, easier to move. Mm. So like that are going to help level out those muscles in both legs. So you're not necessarily compensating to one side. You're going to feel more balanced in between those in between your legs in that split stance position. And so it's like not even the jumping part. We all blasted through a tech section to where those rocks are going to toss around your bike. Now it's up to you to actually shift your hips back and forth to stay balanced and stay centered over the bike, getting ready for whatever is in front of you. Wow. Wow. And those exercises will help kind of balance us out so we don't stay favorable to one side or the other. 
you know, I just was taking my own experiences going down those gnarly steeps and all these rocky tech sections and some of the jumps. I'm like, I need to, you know, help other people out to make sure they're having more fun on the bike so they can actually accomplish this kind of stuff, you know? That makes sense. Um, another question coming out from Octodad, Marty, MTV, Joy Richards saying, I'm very interested in the limited equipment slash home gym exercises. Can we do this at home or do we need a class? You do it right at home, brother. Like I'm, I'm really excited because I know the first book that I put out and I did say this to myself. I said, hey, look, I'm going to put the book out as if everyone had access to uh, a gym with a full set of equipment, um, get those exercises dialed in. Um, cause I know the one that I have right now does require barbell, dumbbells, a box, uh, a couple bands and um, possibly machines like a, like a, a recumbent bike or an assault bike and a rower for the conditioning pieces. But the at home limited equipment one, I'm really excited to come out because all you're going to need is at least one to two sets of dumbbells and maybe a kettlebell, but there's a lot of ways you can work around that and uh, modify the exercises to make sure you're able to do it. Um, just taking feedback from some of my local riders. It's like some, some guys just don't want to do any weight load and want to do some of the exercises, body weight and no weight load. I'm like, that's perfect. You're still, if that's where you want to start, because you're a, you're, you might be like a, uh, advanced expert rider, but if you're a beginner intermediate in the gym, we got to, you know, it's just like progressing on the bike. You got to start somewhere. So, um, I, I hate admitting it, but I'm also, I'm a little more excited about this limited equipment one coming out because now it's starting to dial it back a little bit. Now um, some bigger beginner to intermediate fitness uh, people that wanting to get into fitness, it's going to seem a little less, you know, aggressive. Um, and then just like within the book, I'm, you know, kept it to really simple terms of how to weight load and how to, how it should feel rather than, the strength and conditioning jargon, like, Hey, you're doing five sets of five at 80% of your one rep max. It's more so on a rate of perceived exertion scale. So some of the wording is going to be like, Hey, you're going to do this exercise for X amount of reps. You're going to want to do it out of five out of 10 feel, and then possibly build up to an eight out of 10 feel. So the intensity is kind of up to you because you're going to understand what it feels like. And it's just, there's again, so many things that like I'm thinking about going into this book of the mindset of a mountain bike rider. We all know what it feels like going up an uphill and it burns like hell, right? Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> so, so if they can apply that of knowing like, Hey, this uphill is a lot harder than that uphill. They're going to understand the intensities through weight loading on some of those exercises. Like this definitely feels like a five out of 10, whereas this feels like an eight or nine out of 10. And this is what the book is instructing me to stop at. And that's where I'm going to be to see uh, growth in my functionality on the mountain bike. That's fantastic. And one of the things that I loved about the book that you currently have out right now is one of the things that at the beginning of the book, it actually says, time yourself on an uphill yeah. before we start the six week uh, process. Yeah. And then we're going to come back to it and remeasure that again, yeah, which is, which is going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Save climb, save climb. <laughs> but you know, what's, what's cool about that. It, it, it's all about the mountain bike. It's all about getting stronger for it mm -hmm. and, and not just two separate worlds. Right. It's like, maybe I can't be on the mountain bike on Tuesday, but I'm in my garage doing exercises that, that yeah. is related to the mountain bike, to my yeah. passion, to my love. And I'll be yeah. back out there on Wednesday or, or whatever yeah. the next day is. I hate to cut you off right there, but I wanted to like dive in on that. It's like not even just frequency days of riding. There could be weeks and maybe months for some. I, I mean, the guy that chimed in from Switzerland, 
I'm pretty sure there's like harsh winners, right? Like, <laughs> so if you're, if you're got a harsh winter and you can't be on your bike, there's gotta be some way to actually stay in shape for the bike. So if you have this program and then possibly, obviously like I love what I do. So I really want that, uh, MTB phase two to come out, to continue on the phase one, that there's gotta be something you can do in the off season. So when you get back on the bike during the summer season or a sunny season or your riding season, it's like you never got off the bike. You know, because we all hate that first week of uh, either coming off park season or coming off like a, a heavy, heavy winter. You're just like, man, this uphill I used to fly up and now I'm like walking my bike trying to get back into it. So that's right. just the goal of like people having a tool to be motivated to stay in shape so they can continue and just leave right where they left off and not having I don't want to call it waste time, but having to like re up their capacity on the bike again and then start from that point. Yeah, no, well said. And it, and it could be, it could be whether it's like off season, on season, or if injury, like if it's uh, upper body, I know Rich on two wheels, what's up MTB Allen just joined the crew. What's up MTB Allen. Um, my buddy Rich on two wheels is out with a shoulder and elbow, but uh -huh. his core, his hips, his legs, his, his quads, his calves are all there. Yeah. So uh, that way he could do something like this and not have to, you know, try to re-ramp up. Once yeah. he gets the green light from the doctor, Absolutely. Um, MTB Allen's saying, can only hang out for a minute, but rad to see you, see your <laughs> mug, Jason, <laughs> every um, rep. I actually got to finally catch a, like a, I want to say my first ride with uh, MTB Allen. Cause you know, we see each other at uh, big bear every now and then on snow summit, but you know how those runs kind of, kind of go, you might not see anybody for the, uh, the whole day, but it was kind of nice sending party wave down there with uh, MTB Allen for a little bit. Must I'll see. There you go. Appreciate that, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> MTB Allen saying this, and MTB Allen is a fellow CrossFit person as yeah. well, fellow yeah. CrossFit athlete. Uh, MTB Allen says, "Just wanted to say the muscle mass from training is a huge amount of fitness savings for when you are injured." And not only that, I hope he's still on the podcast. Like, I when I was riding with him in Big Bear. I go, I had the, whatever conversation we were at. I just asked him like, dude, Alan, how old are you? And I hope he doesn't hate me for saying it and giving it away. But he's like, yeah, I'm 48. I'm like, ah, excuse my language. I'm like, no, you're fucking not. Like, not even <laughs> was very, like, you know, it's just, there's a lot more benefits of obviously strength conditioning and CrossFit functionality and all that kind of stuff. And more than just riding and uh, just being healthy and looking good, man. So keep the chops going there, Alan. You're looking good, but <laughs> looking good. That's right. He, he's going hard. MTV Allen's going hard. Love that guy. You know, we were at Sky Park and he's on that new big bike of his. It's a yeah. 170 travel. And, uh, <laughs> and he says, I said 28. <laughs> <laughs> you look 28, man. 20. <laughs> you look and feel 28. Yeah. I, I asked Alan, I said, is that that big enduro bike? Is that, is that hard to climb? And he goes, man, He's like, I'm having fun with it. You know, it's like he he's it's not affecting him is what I'm trying to get at. Like some people yeah. are afraid to jump on an enduro bike because they are afraid of the climb and they're going to be missing out on some of that cool downhill action that they'll get from yeah. that nice, bigger bike. But uh, in, in this case, with what you guys do, marrying the two worlds of the, the fitness and CrossFit is making a difference in, in the world of mountain biking and Absolutely. a bigger stoke. Kind of so, just in, in simplicity, riding your bike in that style is interval training. So it's that it's everyone I'm sure in some time in their life is either 
ran for a certain amount of time, rested, ran for a certain amount of time and rested. Every time you rest, you recover. But the thing is here that we're trying to achieve on that program specifically is shortening your rest times and having you recover faster before you go on the downhill. Cause I've ridden with guys that, Hey, they're doing well on the uphill, but once they're done with the uphill, it's like a eight to 10 minute rest before they're even ready to go for the downhill because they want their muscles to settle in and the breathing and everything like that. Mm. Uh, but it could change to where you can be that much more efficient on the ride, getting more downhills in. If you do an uphill, you need a one to two minute rest and your body's like, well, I've recovered pretty fast because you're elevating those, what we call lactate levels in an anaerobic threshold through a program. So, and on, on bike choices, it's like, yeah, it it's, I've ridden, I've, I've definitely tested out like trail bikes that weigh that 28 to 30 pounds, which is very, very light. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm on 2020 enduro and I know that clocks and it's an S4 frame. So it's a specialized, um, enduro, um, and that clocks in around 35 to 37 pounds. Okay. It's like, I'm, I've got no problem getting that thing uphill and then recovering a little bit and then hitting the downhills as much as anybody else. My, mind you, I have ridden some people. I'm like, geez, you are fast uphill, <laughs> but as far as where I'm at riding a big enduro bike, like a long travel enduro bike, so I can enjoy the downhill. That's where, that's where we want to be. And that's comes down to the bare bones to it. After the science and all the geekiness is said and done, we just want to have some tools um, outside the mountain biking just to make mountain biking more fun. Mm, love it. Well said. Well said. And, and when we're talking about anaerobic and aerobic, this is going to be just more of a beginner question for me. But what is – so aerobic, I'm assuming that's mostly cardiovascular. Now, anaerobic well, – so it's, yeah. That's like a running joke in the strength conditioning, um, like, and, uh, uh, exercise physiology and, uh, your kinesiology major, right? We, you know, we got our, we have our jokes. Everything is technically cardio because the joke is your heart never stops working. Right. <laughs> right. Good point. It, it does differ in different capacities and mostly it's anaerobic and then aerobic. And the way that I want to explain anaerobic and aerobic in very simple terms is, anaerobic is going on climbing an uphill and you you're feeling your muscles burn all right so once the muscles start to burn you have definitely hit an anaerobic state in your body aerobic is going to be something more comparable on the terms where you're riding on a flatter uh, a flatter um family trail and for the whole duration of the ride for like 30 to 40 minutes if you're able to hold a conversation while still being a, a slightly above resting heart rate you are possibly in an aerobic state. So something very, very low, low intensity is going to be aerobic. Something very, very high intensity is going to be anaerobic. Mm. But is through exercise and fitness and proper training, you can make things that used to be anaerobic more aerobic. So the comparison would be, you know, it, it's it, there's some gray areas in it, but you go to that same uphill. And if it's burning your legs less, that means you're getting closer to making that certain uphill more aerobic than anaerobic. Mm, and then it, again, it gets super geeky as far as like what you're actually metabolizing through an anaerobic and aerobic capacity. So anything anaerobic, it's very, very carbohydrate driven. Okay. Everything air, um, I said that right. Yeah. Oh, no. Everything anaerobic. I'm sorry. Anaerobic is very carbohydrate fueled and driven. Okay. Everything aerobic is fat driven. So okay. meaning fats are the energy for the aerobic capacity. And then the carbohydrates are the energy for the anaerobic capacity. Gotcha. So, 
That's why you see those people hitting the goo packs or some candy at the top of the uphills because they're trying to recover from that quick and having that quick sugar uh, from the anaerobic uphill. But God. if you're if you're tapping into your fat stores and being able to you do things more at an aerobic uh, pace, then you're going to be able to last longer on the trail because uh, fat's going to be a little bit more of an abundant source of um, energy. Because obviously we all want to burn fat, right? Right, right. Shredded <laughs> and everything like that. But <laughs> there you go. Cardio is cardio. That's cardio what is cardio. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but that's that feeling of like certain heart rates. Like, okay, you can tell your heart rate is up and things are burning because your muscles getting uh, lactic acids hitting the muscles, replacing oxygen. So you're trying to go the other way. And um, and uh, which one is better to do for racing? Anaerobic. For sure, because okay. you are in an anaerobic state the whole time, especially in what's called a or a isometric standpoint. When you're holding onto the bars, you're not necessarily going through range of motion from your shoulders and your elbows. But if you're feeling what's called arm pump, I know it's big in motocross. I'm sure it's huge in the downhill. I feel it. I mean, I don't know if you guys' forearms ever burn after a day at Summit. Um, but yeah, it's like if you're training at a bigger anaerobic capacity, it's going to translate well into more of the downhill static strength, if that makes sense. Hmm. So doing weightlifting is the only way to really achieve better anaerobic threshold and then doing also some conditioning pieces that you have to push hard enough to get there. So it's one of those things like one of my programming pieces in that is a 10 minute bike test on a recumbent bike or an assault bike. So if you're doing that, you, yeah, you can do the 10 minutes and the way that we're talking, you can ride the bike as you're talking. And that would be more of an aerobic threshold. But if you're trying to tap in, tap into that anaerobic threshold, you're going to have to push it to where you can barely breathe, but being, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. And that assault bike is a great way to get uncomfortable quick. Yeah. (laughs) We've all felt that on the bike before, but it comes down to it, especially for the downhill. It's like you can feel your body going through these different changes of anaerobic capacity, but mentally you are, you're ready to, your body's prepared to hold on to that capacity for a certain amount of time. And so that's kind of like one of those things in translation in CrossFit. And I know MTB Allen on there can definitely side with me. You can get into like a 12 or 15 minute workout or AMRAP. It's going to start burning within two to three minutes. But depending on how fit you are, you might be able to hold that burn and hold that pace for the rest of that 12 to uh, 11 to 12 minutes for the whole time, being efficient and still producing force and still achieving the volume and that kind of sort. Wow. <laughs> so you, you literally got to push through. So yeah, there you go. Trail dogs. The The solution yeah. for race day is the anaerobic exercise. You got to go hard and yeah. you got to push those limits in order to make that race day feel more aerobic. Exactly. Which would be That's the key. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, uh, Timothy Haley says, thanks for defining the differences between the two. I always wondered what those meant when my Garmin would give me the stats after a ride. This is why uh, I'll take it right. Take the time right now. Thanks for having me on this, man. Cause this is exactly oh. like the messages that I just want to send, but can't do it, you know, on the trail. It's like, I feel like I'm paying it forward. Like I learned from my college and all that kind of stuff and experience. And I want to give it to you guys because the, the freaking mountain bike community is so rad, but as far as explaining those differences, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, that's what it means to uh, be in that, in that different state of the uh, anaerobic and aerobic thresholds. And we always want to be able to increase both of them. So 
That is, that is awesome. That actually brings up a good point because I've ridden with some folks where we're going hard and the heart rate is in like a, a red zone. If you're wearing like a my zone or whatever, you know, and your maps are getting up there. And uh, some people are like, I don't want to go that hard because I want to stay in the aerobic, but it makes sense. Now what you're telling me is we want to go hard yep. to push the anaerobic because eventually that go hard, that trail will become an aerobic trail, Absolutely. become an aerobic climb. And then, we're just moving the needle, getting a little more fit, getting go. to where we need to be. And that, I mean, and again, I always say there's a, there's gray areas in fitness because so many fitness adaptations and capacities can cross over. But for the athlete that is wearing a myzone, I'm, de- I'm, I'm really, really familiar with those with the MEPS and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot of athletes that might be touching that orange and red, but can perform at that orange and red for a very, very long time which is fine because now you're just tapping into your glycogen stores, using up the carbohydrates that you've fueled yourself because I'm sure there's plenty of athletes that have looked at their uh, MEPS or their heart rate monitor like, hey, I'm like, I'm at like 160 to 170 heart rate, but I, I feel fine. I'm that's, that's literally just your body being able to work efficiently at a higher intensity and still being able to, um, you know, perform at a certain modal domain or a certain time frame. So don't be afraid if you think your heart's exploding from a <laughs> you're in pretty good shape, you know? So. Now, is there an eloquent balance when you're out riding as far as being in aerobic and anaerobic? Do you want a nice melody of the both or should you favor more? I mean, I guess it's your, it depends on your goal. It's going to be, it's going to be depending on your fitness level going into the ride. So what's going to happen is if you're in really, really good shape, it, the uphill is going to be, anaerobic like you will feel that heart rate um jump um you will feel that burn in the muscle but you'll notice that if you are using a heart rate monitor to measure that kind of thing at the top you'll notice like the more in shape you are the more the the faster your heart rate will drop once mm-hmm. you stop riding which is a great thing because some people like i said it takes them eight to ten minutes to recover after a, a gnarly uphill because they're if they're a little bit out of shape it their heart rate still won't settle back down and so after a long uphill, you could be being able to calm yourself down and keep the heart rate low for the downhill, because we all know what it feels like to go down a downhill, especially you're not necessarily having your heart rate go up from the downhill. You're having your heart rate go up because you're afraid, <laughs> right? <laughs> you're really going down there. But so it's one of those things to where capacities can actually help mentalities as well. Because if you're in an aerobic state going down the downhill, that means you're going to be able to relax your body just a little bit more and, you know, going through the berms, knowing exactly what to do and load up for tech sections or getting your hips and your arms and your core ready for the jumps. So the translation of fitness into, into mountain bike is just like, it's, it's just needed, you know? So I love that. Uh, MTB Allen was just saying, signing off. He says, wish I could stay longer, but my original CrossFit coach, Kelly, which is his wife, is waiting to hang out. Have a good night. Have a good night, MTB Allen. Thanks for jumping on, buddy. Um, we got a couple folks that are asking about trackers. We, we kind of mentioned my zone. And now we have folks that are asking, like, do you recommend a fitness tracker like a Whoop or a Garmin or kind of what in your experience has been a great 
tool to have in our arsenal to, to measure these things. You know, coming from the strength conditioning side and all that kind of stuff, like we are, are fed a lot of great information. So uh, I'm very, very familiar with the whoop because I know they recently sponsored CrossFit. A lot of CrossFit Games athletes do use the whoop because it will tell you what your strain level and all that kind of stuff, whether you should be training right now, whether you should be resting. Uh, sometimes the whoop, I, we make jokes, like it, it basically just tells you you're dead, but <laughs> as a CrossFit Games athlete, you have to push through and continue to train. So it's, it's one of those things to where sometimes the whoop might be telling you something to where you feel good. Like, you know, you can go ride your bike, but you're, you're wondering why the whoop is telling you that you shouldn't go ride your bike or you shouldn't go exercise. Like I've, I've had been fed some information that it's like sometimes trackers aren't necessarily completely accurate as far as numbers wise, but as far as like when the numbers change, it's a good gauge to go off. It's kind of like weighing yourself in body weight. Sometimes the scale is going to be off, but if you use that same scale every single time, you're going to know your progressions. So moving into what I know as progressive, um, my trackers, and again, it kind of feeds into the program, is weight load on certain exercises, um, capacity tests. So, like I said, the ten minute that ten minute bike test that shows up on there, um, <laughs> your time climb, like that's just hard facts, hard numbers. Whether it's it's based off your heart rate or muscle capacity, you're just watching times and weight loads either go weight loads go up or because you're getting stronger, and then times go down for what you're actually doing. Um, putting in the work. But like I said, it's like, again, some of the trackers are good to have as far as heart rates back and forth, just because it has been shown to work to know like, Hey, I should be cruising at this heart rate if I'm trying to achieve this kind of capacity. But yeah, you know, cause I'm, it could be and because it also depends on there's small minute things that a lot of people won't realize. Like I said, like we can have a conversation um, seeming like we're super aerobic at the top of a, of a hill but your heart rate could be at 180 and completely fine. That's just telling me as a strength conditioning coach that you just might be an anaerobic body. Like that's mm. how, that's how you run. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause I know a lot of people like to back off and be like, Oh, my heart rate's up. I should, I should really calm down. I'm like, sometimes it's just not the case. Sometimes it's just how your body is run or that's how, how, um, how your body adapts to certain uh, stimuluses. So yeah, every, everyone's body is a little bit different. Yeah. I, I, I know I, I use the I'm interested in what the whoop looks like because uh -huh. of the re recovery aspect. Yeah. But I currently rock a my zone and I'll wear the my zone and, and I'll track it. But for me, it's it's cool to get the information. Yeah. But I it almost feels like it gamifies the ride a little bit. And yeah. sometimes for me, I'm a big mental um, anything that I could do to strengthen my mental aspect or to have something for the mental part of my ride or, or my body or me as an athlete, yeah. little things like that. Like uh, the yeah. my zone's on, this is great. You know, I'm going to get after it today. And then there's moments where I forget the my zone and I can feel it like, ah, oh. it's kind of like when you don't turn on Strava, <laughs> if you're yeah. if you do Strava, <laughs> you're like, damn, oh, yeah. this didn't count. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It's like, I probably, that was probably a PR run. I didn't have my Strava. <laughs> right. yeah, no, I totally understand. Yeah. There's definitely things that have been shown like you you want to use as motivators for your ride like that's i mean coming just now coming from the just overall fitness if there's if there's something out there that keeps you motivated to do some kind of fitness every day whether it's biking strength conditioning or anything like that like keep going don't don't stop because i'm saying here like information that might deter you from like certain numbers and all that kind of because some of the stuff has been proven to work it's definitely as far as like heart rates uh lowering and or uh, rising and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
but yeah, it's like, it's like, cause he was asking more of my personal gauge. Like I know how I'm getting fitter, whether it's like an anaerobic or an aerobic threshold in certain exercises, workouts, um, and different, uh, modal domains of what, um, the capacities are trying to achieve. So that's, it's good, man. It's, I, I love that you're able to kind of talk to us about the difference in, in, in what we're working for and what we're pushing and, yeah. and that'll help that information right there is priceless. Cause it'll allow people to set their goals and, and know where they're heading and, and know how to push it, whether they have a tracker on or not, like you can yeah. feel it. You can, you can yeah, pretty much absolutely. bet your money. It's totally okay to just trust your instinct and stuff like this feels good. I don't, let me go on the other end. Like today I had a terrible workout. Like and, and me, I'm saying I felt terrible, but yesterday I rested. Like it was a full on rest day, ate well, which means I didn't do any fitness activity. Okay. I rode my bike. I, you know, I, I went out dirt jumping, but I don't <laughs> know, like, as far as taxation of my body, but I showed up thinking in the gym, I was going to crush my workout. And I was like, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm sure there's been plenty of people that have gone out on a mountain bike ride and they actually didn't do anything strenuous the day before. And they're wondering why they're not feeling good on the, on the next day. You know, it's just, sometimes it just does happen. Or sometimes your body is speaking to you to where like, Hey, maybe you do need a little bit, a couple more days to recover before you actually go do this again. So it's just thinking about the other side of the spectrum to where just going off a of feel uh, sometimes is, is, good. And that's why I wanted to kind of put that in perspective on some of the, again, the exercises and the way that you want to read some of the um, weight loads on that program. Because if, if, say you get two to three weeks into the program and I'm telling you to go a little bit heavier than last week, as far as the rate of perceived exertion scale, and you're not feeling good to go heavier because whatever stressors outside of the gym, stressors outside of riding, maybe work is stressing you out, that has some kind of effect on your body. Like it's up to you to be like, you know what? I'm just trying to get through my workout today. And that means I'm going to be just using the same weight I used last week just to achieve still the benefits of the positioning and the flexion extension of the muscles and that kind of thing, rather than, you know, pushing it because you're still going to get benefits for actually just doing the movement. So, yeah. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. And then you accidentally click on a David Goggins clip and you're like, yeah, yeah. damn. It's like, stay hard, man. Stay I'm hard. Every hour on the hour. And I mean, that guy's amazing. I'm not making fun of him with no means, but that's, it's funny you bring it up because there are times you're trying to figure out, you're like, am I being a wuss? I'll, I'll keep it at that word. Like, right. Uh, am I being right. a wuss or am I actually like my body is to the point to where I need rest and just, you got to just got to know yourself. And sometimes, yeah, maybe you are being a little wuss and you got to push through it. it. Happens to me all the time. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad I kept going because now that was super fulfilling and the benefit to my body is going to be uh, speak volumes. But then sometimes you're like, all right, you really got to figure out like if I keep going, I might hurt myself. So yeah. <laughs> That's true. It's such a delicate balance because recovery could be such a slippery slope, you know, yeah. like, oh yeah, I think I just need another day. But, uh, you know, it's nice to to get in there and then just feel it. And at least for, for me, it, it I feel it. And then I know as soon as I get warmed up, I know, okay, I can go, I can go yeah. at it. Or I know like, yeah, man, my body's right. I'm just going to go through the motions, keep yeah. everything loose, go through it. Exactly. And, and, and we'll call it at that. <laughs> Timothy Haley yeah. says, Who's just, gonna carry the boats? <laughs> David Goggins right there. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, just asking you there, Mark, have you ever sought out to do 
do you think going hard on trails better for getting ready or the pump track? Um, trail dogs, and man, I, I still want to make it out your way one time to meet you guys and uh, uh, have a ride. But going you're off, gonna that, love you're gonna yeah. love them, Jason. Such good guys. Uh, going off that that question, it's it's honestly a little bit of both because both right there is totally different stimuluses on a pump track. And by all means, I do the pump track all the time over at uh, Sheep Hills on my dirt jumper. And I've done the pump track plenty of times at Sapwee Bike Park. Dude, in two to three minutes, I'm fried. Like it's unreal. Like, and I'm, I'm, I obviously pride myself on being very, very fit from the the CrossFit background. Um, but going hard on a trail is different because now your muscles are going through a more of a concentric eccentric phase is what it's called because they're actually moving through the joints. The pump track is very, very static. You're not necessarily pedaling. You're just in that static position, not moving your joints through a full range of motion so that the muscle tension is more like, you know, squeezing on something rather than, you know, taking my elbow and moving it back and forth like you would be cycling with your knees and your hips through, through the, um, through going hard on the trail. So as an athlete, if you're wanting to be very, very balanced, it's one of those things you want to train both those things you know, in equally, because now you can have adaptations to where maybe your pump track capacity is here and then your trail capacity is here. And then all of a sudden they both start rising, but then one's going to start catching up with each other and interlace. So that's mm. like, like the beauty of what we try to achieve in CrossFit is having a bunch of capacities kind of cross over each other. So you're, you're more fit in again, what you, how you would state it in the trail riding and the pump track. Yeah. We all know. Yeah. Good question, Trail Dogs. There you go, that. deadlift, boost, and bunny hops. I can completely agree with that. Hamstrings, glutes, posterior chain, everything in line with that deadlift. And again, it's a it's a body unit exercise. And if anything that I can tell people, especially in the jumping aspect, it's not just yanking with your upper body. You also got to move through those knees and hips to lift the bike up to move it around in the air and have some fun. So, <laughs> yeah, that's take us through that a little bit, Jason, when it comes to the, the deadlift, the muscle parts and how it relates into the, to the jumps for the folks that, that are trying to break it down in their, in their brain. Cause we're yeah. all at that. A lot of us are kind of bottlenecked up in that stage where we're getting comfortable jumping and then it's now you've jumped. Now, how do you boost and what muscles are in play? Um, oh. tell, tell well, us I know boosting bit. has more to do with how you point your bike. Um, and then also where you're going to pump at the bottom of the lip or depending on what kind of jump it is, if there's like a, a drop down into the lip. Um, but as far as like the deadlift, it that's a great exercise to break down because an all body functional exercise is going to translate to an all body movement on the bike. Because a lot of people think like, oh, I'm pedaling a bicycle. It's all legs. Well, your upper body is in a static position. Same thing with the deadlift. Um, if you're experienced in pulling deadlifts, sometimes you can feel it a lot in your in your lats, sometimes even in your chest when you're squeezing so hard and pulling back your shoulders. They're not again, they're not necessarily moving like this, like you would do like you know, bicep curls or like pull-ups and all that kind of stuff, but they're staying in a fixed position, but the muscle's still activated. So it's very, very comparable to a bicycle where your upper body and your midsection is in a static position, but the muscles are activated and still burning substrates. Whereas now your hip joint and your knee joint and your ankle joint are moving through the range of motion at the same time. So that's why sometimes the biking fitness is, it makes, it's very, very good and hard on the body It's because half your body is in a static position an isometric phase. And then the other half of your body is in what's called again, a concentric eccentric phase moving through the production of the muscles. So Dang. that's, 
Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's why it's like, um, you know, my muscle. Absolutely. Because the motion is the same ish. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you put ish? Cause again, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like more of a, a specific exercise to that would be more of a split stance deadlift or the split stance mm. RDL to get into that bicycle stance and move through that same, same action. So, but yeah. This is this is awesome. Trail Dogs, for the folks that of you that are, are listening in on iTunes and Spotify, Trail Dogs asked. It also helps with muscle memory because the motion is the same-ish. Yeah. And, and that's what they were talking about. And uh, I love, Jason, I love how you, you relate it all to the mountain bike. It, yeah. it It's awesome. <laughs> and the body movement. Um, and then, okay, so getting to getting back to your book, uh-huh. it's, it's a six-week program. And yes. what I love about it, obviously, you're a CrossFit athlete. You're a mountain biker. And I love how you're, you're melding the worlds together in CrossFit. You're kind of melding all the different exercises together to, to one common goal. Jason's book does similar things because it's CrossFit and it's mountain biking. It's melding it together. But it's also an ebook because it's very technological, meaning that during the exercises, when you're going through the six weeks, there are YouTube video links in this ebook that you click on to help you get through the exercises. So, you know, exercise has a link. Yep. Right. And then, um, Jason, t- tell them a little bit about what they would expect in the six weeks um, as they're going through through this. Um, so you expect uh, very, very uh, foundational movements in the beginning, especially in the first three weeks. And then as you move into the second three weeks, you're going to find a little bit more complex movements that are, again, both foundational movements and complex movements are very specific to uh, bicycle riding and the capacity. But you also, you know, got to have to start out with a base to build up to get into those complex movements. Um, and then you'll also see again, rate of perceived exertion scale to give, to give a little bit of a uh, little bit of relativity of what the weights should feel like um, on some of the exercises. You'll also see um, differences between the um, barbell and the dumbbells and a little bit of the offset for the stances and all that kind of stuff, obviously geared towards the movement patterns on the bike. Um, and then you just see some, some good old simple progression as far as uh, capacity increases. Like I was saying, it's like, you know, one week you're at this weight, the next week you're doing this weight, but a lower volume because you kind of see that inverse relation and volume is defined as like how many reps you'd be doing per exercise. So normally with a higher volume, it's a less weight load. Lower volume would be more weight load. So that's the inverse relation of what intensities and volumes would lie in. So it keeps Mm -hmm. it safe, but it also, um, accomplishes the capacities that we're trying to achieve within the program. And then also, um, I think two days out of the two days out of the three are going to have a more of a conditioning base to get you in that anaerobic threshold. And then one of the days is actually going to have more what we call auxiliary movements to where you're actually um, just doing slow moving trying to tag what's called your, your slow twitch fibers, a type two, a fiber to uh, make sure everything like you're basically building that under armor in your body to get achieve range of motion and just to be strong in all the core muscles in the, the lower back, the abs, uh, you got those side muscles, like the intercostal obliques, quadratus umborum, all the stabilizers that you actually use uh, on the bike. So it's just very full comprehensive stuff. Um, again, also utilizing, I don't want to say limited time, but, Again, not trying to get you guys into the gym for two to three hours a day, like an hour, hour, one fifteen with the warm up uh, included is is the goal, because if you're doing what's called a lot of volume on the bike, because we all know we use our Strava and we know how many miles we're riding per ride. 
then we just don't want, we want that, we want to find that perfect balance of writing and exercising and not frying ourselves out. Mm. That's great, man. Over the six weeks, that that's great. And yeah. a lot of that information that that you provide, it's it's looking at the book, and I'm going to be starting my six weeks. So looking at it, it looks it looks intimidating, but it look I'm excited about it. Yeah. Do do what's the fitness level? Is there a baseline? Can we be like unfamiliar be with the gym or, or weights or or? I'm really glad you asked that question because I know it's like just looking at the equipment list could seem, sound like super aggressive, but all the exercises are very, very doable from anybody walking off the street. Um, possibly the thing, the variations might have to be as far as mobility, like with some of the squats and stuff like that. But if you're paying attention to the videos, uh, that come with every single exercise on the links, then everything is very, very achievable because obviously that was probably number one going into that book. I mean, I need to make this ready for everyone, whether you are a professional downhill athlete to, you have no idea what the hell you're doing, but you want to get better at something. So there, cause right. there's plenty of motivated people. They just don't know where to start. And that's, that's the goal I was trying to achieve because it all comes down to the relative intensity of the athlete. If you have that, if you have that professional downhill rider that has been through a strength conditioning program before, and they get this program, they're going to know exactly what to do to achieve those intensities, to get better at their sport. But then again, you're going to have, it's all laid out to where that beginning rider, or at least that beginning fitness, um, fitness person is going to be able to read it and completely understand it. And then I'm above all else, man, it's like, I'm, you know, since I'm local and trying to be personable, if people reach out, uh, asking me questions because obviously you can tell uh, with you, I love getting geeky about this stuff. I have no problem uh, answering back and uh, getting you dialed in with the uh, with the program. So, yeah, that 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 would be great. I think that um, some folks want to know. Well, at least I'll ask because some sometimes we're going to be working out of our garages, mm-hmm. and that second book is going to be great for this as well. Uh, the version two, but on version yep. one, you know, if we don't have a squat rack or say we don't have an uh, uh, assault bike mm-hmm. could we sub sub those things out for other absolutely absolutely okay. like something with the uh, assault bike if you can kind of figure out time domains that apply to running um running is going to be your best bet as far as the um the sub because to achieve some kind of um more of an aerobic anaerobic capacity while you're constantly moving um, okay because it's like machines i did put in there because in the back of my mind i'm like i'm trying to eliminate impact um, so your, your low backs are, will be ready to go on the bike, but to achieve fitness, if you're having a good set of running shoes and you can, cause I'm not telling you to go run three miles. Like that's not what's going to be happening in the program, but it's like, if thank, you can, thank God, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can see the different bouts of like, all right, this amount of bike riding on like an assault bike or this amount of rowing on, on the row will take this much time, maybe like a month and a half, two minutes. Most people know that a minute and a half to two minutes is a moderate 400 meter run. So you can kind of take your Strava and map that out. And you'll actually see a lot of that in the limited equipment book as well. Nice. So it's just like, and then it's like the barbell back squat, like something like that. You're going to be able to uh, replace that with what's called a goblet squat. Like if you only have a, a dumbbell, you're going to be holding that dumbbell in the front and then performing a squat formation after that. Like there's, you know, some people, again, I, 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 if they know, if they're in tune with their body and they see the back squat pop up, they're like, well, I'm just going to add no weight at all and just do the body weight 
air squat like that you know it could be something to where that beginner is just literally starting out with the most basic movement pattern and then working themselves up to a little bit of weight load down the line gotcha gotcha okay that's great to know that those are subable those things are subable if they don't if they don't have that equipment in that's the that's the beauty of just like when you're doing crossfit as a methodology program for health reasons because again i tell people i'm like I'm the idiot doing CrossFit two to three hours a day, bashing my face into the floor for competitive reasons. But if you're doing it on like a more of like a health a longevity reasons where you're showing up to your class an hour a day, we, we scale everything. There's scales and variations for everything. Because again, your hips move in a certain way, your, your shoulders, your core moves in a certain way. So there's endless exercises that we can accommodate for people at different uh, fitness levels. So. That's great. That's great. And you guys, this is a, the fun part of the show is like being able to introduce this book is, is because the book was really designed for everybody, um, obviously for fitness levels, uh-huh. but financially too. Jason, how much is it for people to purchase the book? Just $35 one time fee. It's not a subscription. The only reason why I'm making a point that, that a lot of people thought it was like a month to month subscription because a lot of people were like, well, I mean, I spend a thousand dollars on a, a Fox 38 fork. Uh, I, I guess I can spend $35 on a <laughs> strength conditioning program, but yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, uh, wanted to make it affordable. Um, yeah, just a $35 one-time fee. And then, um, if we keep this rolling, we'll get the MTB phase two out and get you guys even more dialed in. So. Yeah, guys, 30, 35 bucks for the book, one-time purchase, you get the download, it's got all the links, all the exercises, it's got uh, it's got the, you know, for the six-week period, it, it walks you through it all, and then you have the visuals on there too, and then Jason, being a local Southern California guy, if you DM him in his Instagram, if you have questions, I mean, he's a local guy, one of us, he can be able to you know, reach back out to you. Um, Jason, speaking of that, where, where can people follow you and catch you, um, on, on social media, where would they best find you? So social media, I'll actually change the name so you guys can see that on the screen. Um, because right now I have the tag for the Amigos training co gives you the page for, um, the links and the access to the actual website and the product. Um, and then me personally, very, very simple. Jason Carroll, two R's and two L's. That's spelled the Irish way. And then 89. The 89 part just basically gives away my age. 32 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's obviously the year that I was uh, I was born. But yeah, you guys want to take a look at my page. Completely organic. I'm, you know, try to be fun. Nothing, uh, nothing forced. Just uh, having a good time and just trying to spread good vibes, especially with the world we're living in nowadays, you know? Yeah, exactly. We might as well live up to our potential. You know, if there's an opportunity to make the mountain biking experience a little more richer by, by incorporating and marrying some fitness to it, uh, this is a great way to go. We'd be supporting Jason Carroll by doing, obviously you heard how passionate he is about it. And uh, MTBDH, Mr. Drew, he asks a great question. Where do we get the book? Where do we get the book? Uh, (laughs) That's a great question. I'm going to change that as well on my name. Um, It's going to be at Amigos Training or AmigosTraining.com. So put that right there. Amigos Training dot com and then you're gonna find it right under yeah 
right there. We're going to find it right under, and I'm going to make, I'm actually going on the link right now to make sure that's the right one because, yeah, <laughs> no bikes and I know uh, training, but technology sometimes. Yeah, there you go. It's <laughs> you right there to the Amigo, yeah, amigostraining.com, and it's going to be right under under the products. So nice. We also have some fun shirts and all that kind of fun stuff. So. I saw that. Time to work your, you got the picture of a donkey. Yeah, <laughs> time to work it off, man. <laughs> Jason, before before we go, first, thank you so much for for dropping your wisdom on on us. Um, a lot of us in the mountain bike, we're obviously COVID, we exploded with mountain bikers, and we're from all over the place. A lot of us have been working from home um, in limited capacity. You know, like health and exercise should be one of the top priorities, but with life and jobs and busyness yeah. and bills and everything, it gets behind. So having an option like this is is fantastic for a lot of folks. Um, thank you so much again for for doing this. And for those of us that are out there listening to you in your voice right now, what is what is something else that you'd like to tell everybody um, as we close this podcast out? I mean, just stay motivated. Uh, again, like I just said, it's a crazy world out there, and if uh, if we're just you know trapped in our mountain biking bubble and possibly our fitness bubble, and uh, we can go on with our lives being happy and smiling with the simple things like this, then by all means, um, just push it to your limits, but don't go too, you know, don't go too full send, right? Right. <laughs> full send all the time, man. And with a smile on your face, you know, so I can't, uh, I know it sounds simple, sounds cliche, but that's what we need to hear nowadays. It's a lot simpler than it really is, especially, uh, having things the way it goes down. Cause I'm sure more than just me, just always got to remind myself that, millions have been affected about what's going on and it's been hard to really find that that happiness especially when you know people losing jobs and all that kind of stuff but yeah. if, uh, if covid uh, had turned that positive positivity of where people are picking up bicycles and on finding happiness through that it's it's an amazing thing of where that bike can take you and so yeah. just uh, motivate you guys to get fit for it and have more fun so that bike can take you farther and farther and farther and meet new friends, meet new people and see, see new things. So it's a beautiful love world. It. Out there, right? Love it. Love it. Well said, Jason. Well said. Um, bike rider says, yeah, brother. Thank you, Jason. That, that is great. Dude. Thank you again so much. Ladies and gentlemen, the 2017 and 2019 international CrossFit athlete, Jason Carroll, everybody. everybody <laughs> smart. <laughs> have, have a great night grab the book 35 bucks one time shot and it's gonna it's gonna help elongate our biking careers our biking fun our biking times together so i uh, hope everyone's doing well and if you guys get a chance at 8 30 tonight if you guys are on a podcast kick uh, my buddy adam miller mtb rad dad and mtb desert rat they're going to do a podcast called not another podcast podcast <laughs> <laughs> and, like and i'll be seeing you guys over there on that one um jason thank you again so much we really appreciate it yeah. you are you are awesome man sounds thank you very much man I, again thanks to you because again i can't fit everything into that ebook of me being nerdy and geeky so i'm glad you gave me the opportunity and chance to uh, actually do this, man. So hopefully I definitely catch a ride in the near future too. So <laughs> heck, heck yeah, man. I look forward to it. I can't wait. And uh, thanks again for everything you do. Everybody, we'll see you guys out on the trails. You guys have a great night. Thank you all for jumping on. You. <laughs> I 
All right, senders, that'll do it for another episode of the segment podcast. Man, Jason Carroll dropping some knowledge on that. And uh, that six weeks program, not a bad gig for $35 for that ebook. I'm definitely had purchased that and I'll be going through that over the next six weeks and kind of compare myself to see if the mark today is a little bit better than, uh, or if the mark in six weeks is going to be a little bit better than the mark now, which I have no doubts it will be. Thanks again, senders, for listening to this episode. Again, thank you to the supporters of the show. Thank you to YT Industries. Thank you to Tasco. Thank you to Spy Optic, and also thank you to Kapu Coffee. Really, really appreciate all the support, and I hope you all are out there on the trails having a good time, sending it safely. And remember, folks, remember to find something you love to do, be passionate about it, and all of your hard work will always pay off. We'll catch you guys on the next episode.